Forlock Forbach Reads. Produced by the Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library. Welcome to Warlock Vorbach Reads, a Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library podcast. I'm feeling mischievous today, and so is our poet. Last time, we had a rebellious poet who in equal parts challenged social norms and wrote contemplative poetry about history and a temporary condition known as life. This poet was very religious, writing devotionals and children poems, and wrote the words to two popular Christmas carols. That's right, I'm talking about Christina Rossetti. Christina was born December 5, 1830, to Gabriel Rossetti, poet in political exile, and Francis Polidori, sister of Lord Byron's friend John Polidori, who wrote The Vampire at that famous vacation at Lake Geneva that also created Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And speaking of connections to old podcasts I've done, her brother Dante, an artist and poet in his own right, was mentioned in an earlier podcast about William Morris. Now back to Christina. Christina dictated her first story to her mother before she even learned how to write. Her household was a meeting spot for all kinds of Italian artists and revolutionaries. Influenced by religious works, fairy tales, and the Gothic literature of Anne Radcliffe and Matthew Lewis, Christina had a happy childhood until she was about 14, where she suffered a nervous breakdown and left school. She had three suitors, but turned them all down mostly due to religious conflicts. Her brother Dante often used her as a model for his paintings. She also started collecting stamps and is known as one of the very first female stamp collectors. Her first commercially printed book, Goblin Market and Other Poems, was published in 1862. It was widely praised by the critics who immediately claimed her the next Elizabeth Barrett Browning. From 1859 to 1870, she worked at St. Mary Magdalene House of Charity in Highgate, known to shelter ex-prostitutes. She was against slavery in the United States, animal cruelty because of vivisection, and the exploitation of underage girls in prostitution. She continued to write children's poetry despite suffering from late-age Graves' disease and breast cancer, but she died on December 29th, 1894. Now here are some historical highlights for 1862, the year Goblin Market was published. There were plenty of key moments that happened during the American Civil War. Julia Ward Howe's Battle Hymn of the Republic is published in the Atlantic Monthly. Her song was adapted from the popular soldier song, John Brown's Body, about the abolitionist. Ulysses S. Grant gives the Union Army its first victory, capturing Fort Henry. The federal government forbids all Union officers from returning fugitive slaves. Grant wins the Battle of Shiloh. Union General John Pope is defeated at the Second Battle of Bull Run. The bloodiest day in United States history, the Battle of Antietam, 
happens at Sharpsburg, Maryland, with over 22,000 casualties. At the Battle of Fredericksburg, the Union Army fails to capture the Confederate capital of Richmond, Virginia. President Lincoln allows West Virginia into the Union, dividing Virginia into two. Victor Hugo begins publishing Les Miserables. Mexican General Ignacio Zaragoza defeats the French army, which is celebrated today as Cinco de Mayo. President Lincoln creates the Bureau of Agriculture and signs the Homestead Act into law, allowing anyone who had not taken up arms against the federal government to apply for acres of free land. The Bureau of Internal Revenue is created. The Russia State Library is founded, one of the largest in the world. Edith Wharton, Gustav Klim, Claude Debussy, and Ida B. Wells are all born. Now, I'm about to read The Goblin Market by Christina Rossetti, and I just wanted to let you know this poem has been interpreted in many different ways. Um, some see it as a triumphal Victorian story of sistery love. Some see it as um, a metaphor of male-female sexual relations. Some see it as a lesbian love story in a covered, quiet way. Um, some respond to the capitalism and growth of um, uh, entrepreneurship um, in the poem because one thing at the time of this poem when it was written many of the Victorians were not able to buy fresh fruit and that's like a central plot device in the poem so just to give you a heads up there's all kinds of things going on in this poem but we don't know for sure exactly what it's about so it's up to you I guess so here is The Goblin Market by Christina Rossetti Morning and evening, maids heard the goblins cry. Come buy our orchard fruits. Come buy, come buy. Apples and quinces, lemons and oranges, plump unpecked cherries, melons and raspberries, bloom down cheeked peaches, swart headed mulberries, wild free born cranberries, crab apples, dewberries, pineapples, blackberries, apricots, strawberries. All ripe together in summer weather. Morns that pass by, fair eves that fly, come by, come by. Our grapes fresh from the vine, pomegranates full and fine, dates and sharp bulises, rare pears and green gauges, damsons and bilberries, taste them and try. Currants and gooseberries, bright fire like barberries, Figs to fill your mouth, citrons from the south, sweet to tongue and sound to eye, come by, come by. Evening by evening among the brookside rushes, Laura bowed her head to hear, Lizzie veiled her blushes. Crouching close together in the cooling weather, with clasping arms and cautioning lips, with tingling cheeks and fingertips. Lie close. Laura said, pricking up her golden head. We must not look at goblin men. We must not buy their fruits. Who knows upon what soil they fed their hungry, thirsty roots. Come by, called the goblins, 
hobbling down the glen. Oh, cried Lizzie, Laura, Laura, you should not peep at goblin men. Lizzie covered up her eyes, covered close lest they should look. Laura reared her glossy head and whispered like the restless brook. Look, Lizzie, look, Lizzie, down the glen tramp little men. One hauls a basket, one bears a plate, one lugs a golden dish of many pounds weight. How fair the vine must grow, whose grapes are so luscious. How warm the wind must blow through those fruit bushes. No, said Lizzie. No, no, no. Their offers should not charm us. Their evil gifts would harm us. She thrust a dimpled finger in each ear, shut eyes and ran. Curious Laura chose to linger, wondering at each merchant man. One had a cat's face, one whisked a tail. One tramped at a rat's pace, one crawled like a snail. One like a wombat proud, obtuse and furry. One like a radal, tumbled hurry scurry. She heard a voice like voice of doves cooing all together. They sounded kind and full of loves in the pleasant weather. Laura stretched her gleaming neck like a rush-embedded swan, like a lily from the beck, like a moonlit poplar branch, like a vessel at the launch when its last restraint is gone. Backwards up the mossy glen turned and trooped the goblin men with their shrill repeated cry, Come by, come by. When they reached where Laura was, they stood stock still upon the moss, leering at each other, brother with queer brother, signaling each other, brother with sly brother. One set his basket down, one reared his plate. One began to weave a crown of tendrils, leaves, and rough nuts brown, men so not such in any town. One heaved the golden weight of dish and fruit to offer her. Come by, come by, was still their cry. Laura stared, but did not stir, longed, but had no money. The whist-tailed merchant bade her taste in tones as smooth as honey. The cat face purred, the rat face spoke a word of welcome, and the snail paste even was heard. One parrot-voiced and jolly cried, Pretty goblin still for pretty Polly. One whistled like a bird. But sweet-tooth Laura spoke in haste, Good folk, I have no coin to take were to purloin. I have no copper in my purse, I have no silver either. And all my gold is on the firs that shake in the windy weather above the rusty heather. You have much gold upon your head, they answered all together. Buy from us with a golden curl. She clipped a precious golden lock. She dropped a tear more rare than pearl. Then sucked their fruits, globes fair or red, sweeter than honey from the rock, stronger than man rejoicing wine. Clearer than water flowed that juice. She never tasted such before. How should it cloy with length of use? She sucked and sucked and sucked the more fruits which that unknown orchard bore. She sucked until her lips were sore, then flung the emptied rinds away, but gathered up one kernel stone and knew not was it night or day as she turned home alone.
Lizzie met her at the gate, full of wise upbraidings. Dear, you should not stay so late. Twilight is not good for maidens. Should not loiter in the glen in the haunts of goblin men. Do you not remember Jeanie? How she met them in the moonlight, took their gifts, both choice and many, ate their fruits and wore their flowers, plucked from bowers where sipen ripens at all hours? But ever in the noonlight she pined and pined away, sought them by night and day, found them no more, but dwindled and grew gray. Then fell with the first snow, while to this day no grass will grow where she lies low. I planted daisies there a year ago that never blow. You should not loiter so. Nay, hush, said Laura. Nay, hush, my sister. I ate and ate my fill, yet my mouth waters still. Tomorrow night I will buy more. And kissed her. Have done with sorrow, I'll bring you plums tomorrow, fresh on their mother twigs. Cherries worth getting. You cannot think what figs my teeth have met in, what melons icy cold piled on a dish of gold too huge for me to hold, what peaches with a velvet nap, pellucid grapes without one seed. Odorous indeed must be the mead whereon they grow, and pure the wave they drink with lilies at the brink, and sugar sweet their sap. Golden head. By golden head, like two pigeons in one nest folded in each other's wings, they lay down in their curtained bed, like two blossoms on one stem, like two flakes of new-fallen snow, like two wands of ivory tipped with gold for awful kings. Moon and stars gazed in at them, wind sang to them lullaby, lumbering owls forbore to fly, not a bat flapped to and fro around their rest, cheek to cheek and breast to breast, locked together in one nest. Early in the morning, when the first cock crowed his warning, neat like bees, as sweet and busy, Laura rose with Lizzie, fetched in honey, milked the cows, aired and set to rights the house, kneaded cakes of whitest wheat, cakes for dainty mouths to eat, Next churned butter, whipped up cream, fed their poultry, sat and sewed, talked as modest maidens should, Lizzie with an open heart, Laura in an absent dream, one content, one sick in part, one warbling for the mere bright day's delight, one longing for the night. At length, slow evening came. They went with pitchers to the reedy brook, Lizzie most placid in her look, Laura most like a leaping flame. They drew the gurgling water from its deep. Lizzie plucked purple and rich golden flags, then turning homeward said, The sunset flushes those furthest loftiest crags. Come, Laura, not another maiden lags. No willful squirrel wags, the beasts and birds are fast asleep. But Laura loitered still among the rushes, and said the bank was steep. And said the hour was early still, the dew not fallen, the wind not chill. Listening ever but not catching the customary cry, come by, come by. With its interrated jingle of sugar-baited words, 
Not for all her watching, one discerning, even one goblin, racing, whisking, tumbling, hobbling, let alone the herds that used to tramp along the glen in groups or single of brisk fruit merchant men. To Lizzie urged, Oh, Laura, come, I hear the fruit call, but I dare not look. You should not loiter longer at this brook. Come with me home. The stars rise, the moon bends her arc, each glowworm winks her spark. Let us get home before the night grows dark. For clouds may gather, though this is summer weather. Put out the lights and drench us through. Then if we lost our way, what should we do? Laura turned cold as stone to find her sister heard that cry alone. That goblin cry, come buy our fruits, come buy. Must she then buy no more such dainty fruit? Must she no more such succus pasture find? gone deaf and blind her tree of life drooped from the root she said not one word in her heart sore ache but peering through the dimness not discerning trudging home her pitcher dripping all the way so crept to bed and lay silent till lizzie slept then sat up in a passionate yearning and gnashed her teeth for balked desire and wept as if her heart would break Day after day, night after night, Laura kept watch in vain, in sullen silence of exceeding pain. She never caught again the goblin cry, Come by, come by. She never spied the goblin men hawking their fruits along the glen. But when the noon waxed bright, her hair grew thin and gray. She dwindled as the fair full moon doth turn to swift decay and burn her fire away. One day, remembering her kernel stone, she set it by a wall that faced the south, dewed it with tears, hoped for a root, watched for a waxen shoot, but there came none. It never saw the sun, it never felt the trickling moisture run. While with sunk eyes and faded mouth she dreamed of melons, as a traveler sees false waves in desert drouth, with shade of leaf-crowned trees, and burns the thirstier in the sandful breeze. She no more swept the house, tended the fowls or cows, fetched honey, kneaded cakes of wheat, brought water from the brook, but sat down listless in the chimney nook and would not eat. Tender Lizzie could not bear to watch her sister's cankerous care, yet not to share. She night and morning caught the goblin's cry, Come buy our orchard fruits, come buy, come buy. Beside the brook, along the glen, she heard the tramp of goblin men. The yoke and stir poor Laura could not hear, longed to buy fruit to comfort her, but feared to pay too dear. She thought of Jeanie in her grave, who should have been a bride, but who for joys the bride's hope to have fell sick and died in her gay prime in earliest winter time, with the first glazing rhyme, with the first snowfall of crisp winter time. Till Laura, dwindling, seemed knocking at death's door. Then Lizzie weighed no more, better and worse, but put a silver penny in her purse kissed Laura, crossed the heath with clumps of firs at twilight, halted by the brook, and for the first time in her life began to listen and look. 
laughed every goblin when they spied her peeping, came towards her hobbling, flying, running, leaping, puffing and blowing, chuckling, clapping, crowing, clucking and gobbling, mopping and mowing, full of airs and graces, pulling wry faces, demure grimaces, cat-like and rat-like, rado and wombat-like, snail-paced in a hurry, parrot-voiced and whistler, helter-skelter, hurry-scurry, chattering like magpies, fluttering like pigeons, gliding like fishes, hugged her and kissed her, squeezed and caressed her, stretched up their dishes, panners and plates, look at our apples, russets and dun, bob at our cherries, bite at our peaches, citrons and dates, grapes for the asking, pears red with basking out in the sun, plums on their twigs, pluck them and suck them, pomegranates, figs. Good folk, said Lizzie, mindful of Jenny, give me much and many, held out her apron, tossed them her penny. Nay, take a seat with us, honor and eat with us, they answered grinning. Our feast is but beginning, night yet is early, warm and dew pearly, wakeful and starry, such fruits as these no man can carry. Half their bloom would fly, half their dew would dry, half their flavor would pass by. Sit down and feast with us, be welcome guest with us, cheer you and rest with us. Thank you, said Lizzie, but one waits at home alone for me. So without further parleying, if you will not sell me any of your fruits, though much and many, give me back my silver penny I tossed you for a fee. They began to scratch their pates, no longer wagging, purring, but visibly demurring, grunting and snarling. One called her proud, cross-gained uncivil, their tones waxed loud, their looks were evil. Lashing their tails, they trod and hustled her, elbowed and jostled her, clawed with their nails, barking, mewing, hissing, mocking, tore her gown and soiled her stocking, twitched her hair out by the roots, stamped upon her tender feet, held her hands and squeezed their fruits against her mouth to make her eat. White and golden Lizzie stood like a lily in a flood, like a rock of blue-veined stone, lashed by tides obstreperously, like a beacon left alone in a hoary, roaring sea, sending up a golden fire, like a fruit-crowned orange tree, white with blossoms, honey-sweet, sore beset by wasp and bee, like a royal virgin town, topped with gilded dome and spire, close beleaguered by a fleet, mad to tug her standard down. One may lead a horse to water, twenty cannot make him drink. Though the goblins cuffed and caught her, coaxed and fought her, bullied and besought her, scratched her, pinched her black as ink, kicked and knocked her, mauled and mocked her, Lizzie uttered not a word would not open lip from lip, lest they should cram a mouthful in, but laughed in heart to feel the drip of juice that syruped all her face, and lodged in dimples of her chin, and streaked her neck which quaked like curd. 
At last the evil people, worn out by her resistance, flung back her penny, kicked their fruit along whichever road they took, not leaving root or stone or shoot. Some writhed into the ground, some dived into the brook with ring and ripple, some scudded on the gale without a sound, some vanished in the distance. In a smart ache, tingle, Lizzie went her way, knew not was it night or day, sprang up the bank, tore through the firs, threaded copse and dingle, and heard her penny jingle bouncing in her purse. Its bounce was music to her ear. She ran and ran as if feared some goblin man dogged her with jibe or curse or something worse. But not one goblin scurried after, nor was she pricked by fear. The kind heart made her windy pace that urged her home quite out of breath with haste and inward laughter. She cried, Laura, up the garden, did you miss me? Come and kiss me. Never mind my bruises, hug me, kiss me, suck my juices, squeezed from goblin fruits for you, goblin pulp and goblin dew. Eat me, drink me, love me, Laura, make much of me. For your sake I have braved the glen and had to do with goblin merchant men. Laura started from her chair, flung her arms up in the air, clutched her hair. Lizzie, Lizzie, have you tasted for my sake the fruit forbidden? Must your light like mine be hidden? Your young life like mine be wasted, undone in mine undoing, and ruined in my ruin, thirsty, cankered, goblin-ridden? She clung about her sister, kissed and kissed and kissed her. Tears once again refreshed her shrunken eyes, dropping like rain after a long, sultry drouth. Shaken with a guish fear and pain, she kissed and kissed her with a hungry mouth. Her lips began to scorch. That juice was wormwood to her tongue. She loathed the feast. Writhing as one possessed, she leapt and sung, rent all her robe, and wrung her hands in lamentable haste and beat her breast. Her locks streamed like the torch borne by a racer at full speed or like the mane of horses in their flight, or like an eagle when she stems the light straight toward the sun, or like a caged thing freed, or like a flying flag when armies run. Swift fire spread through her veins, knocked at her heart, met the fire smoldering there and overbore its lesser flame. She gorged on bitterness without a name. Ah, fool, to choose such part of soul-consuming care. Senses failed in the mortal strife, like the watchtower of a town which an earthquake shatters down, like a lightning-stricken mast, like a wind-uprooted tree spun about, like a foam-topped waterspout cast down headlong in the sea. She fell at last. Pleasure past and anguish past. Is it death or is it life? life out of death. That night long Lizzie watched by her, counted her pulses flagging stir, felt for her breath, held water to her lips and cooled her face with tears and fanning leaves. But when the first birds chirped about their eaves, and early reapers plodded to the place of golden sheaves, and dew-wet grass bowed in the morning wind so brisk the pass, and new buds with new day opened of cup-like lilies on the stream. Laura awoke 
as from a dream. Laughed in the innocent old way. Hugged Lizzie, but not twice or thrice. Her gleaming locks showed not one thread of gray. Her breath was sweet as May, and light danced in her eyes. Days, weeks, months, years afterwards, when both were wives with children of their own, their mother hearts beset with fears, their lives bound up in tender lives. Laura would call the little ones and tell them of her early prime, those pleasant days long gone of not returning time. Would talk about the haunted glen, the wicked quaint fruit merchant men. Their fruits like honey to the throat, but poison in the blood, men so not such in any town. Would tell them how her sister stood in deadly peril to do her good, and when the fiery antidote. Then joining hands, the little hands, would bid them cling together, for there is no friend like a sister in calm or stormy weather. To cheer one on the tedious way, to fetch one if one goes astray, to lift one if one totters down, to strengthen whilst one stands. Thank you for listening to Warlock Vorabach Reads, a Cincinnati and Hamilton County public library podcast. So, just how tempted were you by those goblin fruits? Well, this warlock does not blame you. So be a wizard or a witch and share this podcast with others. Next time, we'll explore the high seas with a ghost ship. Until then, <laughs> Thanks for listening to Warlock Vorbach Reads. Subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss future episodes. And discover more of our podcasts at chpl.org slash podcasts.